0: and welcome into a new episode of the zero technique football podcast i am your co-host ryan stern we got uh jared zero as always and we got newest member of the zero technique uh team clark wood welcome to uh welcome to the team clark
1: thank you thank you so much ryan i'm excited to get started
0: yeah, so, uh, and Jared, uh, we, we, yeah,
2: we Jared, 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 just I'm just here. I'm just, wait,
0: cannot wait to, uh, to get into the, no, uh, the lead. I,
2: I, I do want to preface, I think this is the best episode for Clark to be on for his first one. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, so, um, we got a great show. Always make sure you're checking out uh, www.backsportspage.com. page.com. Uh, Clark actually does have an article out there about one of the topics we're going to be talking about tonight, which is that the NFL has now canceled two uh, preseason games uh, for the, uh, the 2020 season. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the potential of uh, players opting out of the season, which we're already starting to see in other sports, uh, we will continue our top five segment. Uh, and <clears throat> as you can tell by uh, by the jerseys hanging above me, uh, we will be having uh, we'll be talking about the top five tight ends. I got my Jeremy Shockey and my Tyler Eifert Notre Dame jersey, which is uh, one of one of my uh, favorite ones to wear. Um, but, uh, okay, Jared, Well, will uh, yeah, <laughs> you
2: take it away. This, this is, right. uh, this
0: is your time right now.
2: <laughs> All right. So I'm sure everyone has heard of the news at this point. Cam Newton is a new England Patriot. I have been saying this since March. Actually, I think I've been saying this since before March at this point. It's so, so exciting. Um, to, when I got the news, I, Screamed! I scared the crap out of my Welcome, girlfriend because I was yeah. the one who, uh, who broke it to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I freaked out, and I was just I I knew it was going to happen. Deep down, I felt it. I mean, Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick—they're both on record giving high praise for Cam Newton uh, multiple times. Cam Newton has expressed interest in the Pats before uh, during his you know short time as a free agent. Um, so, Cam, I think. Fits the Patriots perfectly, especially with uh, he has a lot to prove, right? And the Patriots need somebody to replace Tom Brady. Now, personally, I think when Cam's healthy, he's a top ten quarterback in the league. His his running ability is personally, I think he's he's when he's healthy, I think he's a better runner than Lamar Jackson.
1: Well, he's uh,
0: a, he's a different kind of runner. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Lamar is always uh looking for the edge um he if his blocking scheme allows for uh the the offensive lineman to push the defensive lineman out out of the pocket then he'll run up the middle but cam just has so many designed runs up the middle because his body is just built to take the the hits more than someone like lamar jackson
2: no absolutely but <sighs> It's so exciting for me because I'm a Patriots and Panthers fan. Uh, the the big thing for me is that a lot of Patriots aren't, or like a lot of Patriots fans, I should say, are not excited about this move, and I have no idea why. Um, I think people are hung up on Super Bowl 50, and I'm, I'm going to give a hot take real quick. Cam Newton should not have dove on that fumble. And... It's because if you look at the angle, if you if you watch the replay, if Cam had dove for the ball, by the time he got there, he would have suffered a probably a pretty bad head injury. I think by him backing off was the smartest thing for his health overall. Obviously, you want to see, you, you don't see those things in the moment, but you know I think after watching it, after seeing the the replay a hundred times. To me, I think it was just he didn't want to risk the injury. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think this is Cam's best chance to succeed. I think this is the Patriots' best chance to succeed. Obviously, I want to see Cam do well. I want to see him sign an extension in New England because I think this is genuinely the best fit for him. Mark, what are your what are your
0: thoughts? Uh, what what immediately <laughs> came th- to your head when uh, when you heard the news, and how do you think that uh, that this is going to play out for Cam New England?
1: I think it's going to be really interesting. First of all, it's going to be must much must watch television because who doesn't want to see a former MVP in Bill Belichick's system? That's just that just spells out excitement. But what for me, what really uh, what uh, this. What it looks like to me is it's the first team that Cam's going to play on where he's not the guy immediately when he walks in the door. Like in Auburn, he won the Heisman. uh, First overall pick in Carolina, they were trying to get as many players and uh, coaches around him that would promote his game. But for – like in the Patriots, they don't don't really need Cam to succeed long term because if he doesn't really succeed this year, and I'm not quite sure that he will – Ah, uh, they can move on. I personally think they're going to take a quarterback in the next in next year's draft, regardless of how he plays. So it's definitely going to be. It's more. Of, I think it's more of a tryout for Cam than anything else.
0: Yeah. So um, I, I know that uh, Jared really broke down a lot of what uh, what Cam Newton can bring to this team, and and I think. You make a great point where uh, where he's not going to be the guy, and you even brought it back to Auburn where he was obviously big man on campus, goes number one overall in the NFL, and the the Panthers have uh, had built their team around him. And now, right now, even though the the guy in New England isn't necessarily on the field uh, right now, the the guy in New England is Bill Belichick. And so I, I think that leaves a lot open for Cam to then go out and take to become the guy on the field. Uh, there's also Julian Edelman, who is going to be—I I, I would assume he's the uh, he's the captain for uh, for the offensive side in New England. He's the elder statesman. He's the one who, really, everyone, especially over the past couple months since Tom Brady signed in Tampa Bay, everything has been about Julian Edelman. So, and to be honest, I think this move doesn't necessarily benefit someone like Julian Edelman. This move uh, with bringing in Cam Newton, the wide receiver that I think is going to benefit the most is last year's rookie Nikhil Harry. Uh, we've seen Cam Newton just uh, succeed with so many wide receivers that are built the same way that Nikhil Harry is. Someone like uh, Kelvin Benjamin, someone like Devin Funchess, Those, uh, even DJ Moore. Um, these kind of wide receivers are the ones that Cam Newton has had success with in the past. Those little under uh, underneath route slot guys aren't always who he looks for. Um but I also don't think this is going to affect someone like James White all that all, all that much, uh, because we've seen him have success throwing the ball to the running back. I think this will have a major impact on Sony Michel. Uh, the one thing Sony Michelle had been able to do, especially at the end of the year, because uh, the, the first half of last season was just atrocious for Sony Michelle, but towards the end of the year, he was able to find the end zone. And Cam Newton is going to be their best uh, red zone running back. Uh, he it, It's just something that he's built for, it's something that he's had success with in the past. And I think. Bill Belichick is going to be able to utilize him in a way that is going to, I, I think, negatively impact the success of uh, of Sony Michelle.
2: That that definitely makes a lot of sense, and I don't disagree with you there. I think you know, with a player like James White, where he does have a somewhat similar skill set to Christian McCaffrey, I think it's going to be a somewhat seamless transition for camp. Uh, but one thing that you know I do kind of want to discuss is I see it a lot with you know my aunt. She she's a huge Patriots fan and she talks about you know Cam Newton needs to be disciplined. He needs to learn the Patriot way. But aside from a handful of you know r- remarks in a post game press conference, which every player is guilty of, I don't ever expect. I don't ever think of Cam and think of ah uh, he's not a team player. I, I, I mean, I at least you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not familiar with any uh, locker room drama between him and another player. I mean, there was the issues between him and Kelvin Benjamin after uh, Benjamin got traded, but I mean, he, everything I've heard about him is that he always supports his team. He always is a team. He's always there for his team. Um, so, so uh, I
0: but but before you go on, I I think, and you had mentioned earlier Super Bowl Fifty. I think that left a, a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, especially the way he handled the post game. Um, he he really did look like a, a child in the way that he he did not act uh, prof- the professional way that you would want your franchise quarterback to act after losing a Super Bowl like that. Um, so I think that left a sour taste in people's mouths. But the, the side of Cam Newton that, that not enough people know about is the amount of time that he devotes to, uh, to charities, especially children's charities. Uh, he's a very big proponent of going to children's hospitals, uh, going in and checking on uh, patients, bringing them memorabilia. Uh, it, it's something that doesn't get publicized enough because he, he does it a lot. And uh, I, I think he has the, the mindset already to to do things, quote-unquote, the Patriot way. Right.
2: And to, to kind of circle it back, I mean, I'm, I'm going to bring up Antonio Brown for a second when he spent that one week with the Patriots, right? A, a week before he signed with the Pats, in a week after he signed with the bat, he was all up in the media, you know, whatever. He was in the news constantly, whatever, fine. But the one post-game press conference he did with the Patriots, it sounded like he was a totally different person. And I think that's just the effect that the Patriots organization, Bill Belichick, I mean, obviously Tom Brady was in the locker room at the time, but I think that's just the effect the team has on people. So I don't see Cam not fitting in with the Patriot way. I think he fits in well. I think, you know, he, he has something to prove, so he's not going to come out and want to be the guy. He's going to want to come out and just prove that he still has it. And, and I don't think he's going to let anything stand in the way of that.
0: All right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're obviously going to have uh, a lot of discussion o- over the, the next couple weeks. And especially as the season gets closer, uh, I'm still not 100% certain Cam is definitely going to be the the starter right away. Uh, they're not paying him any real money. There's an out in his contract that really makes him indispensable. So if he comes in and he's uh, if the injury just ha- seems to be lingering too much and they think it's going to continue on into – the, the early part of the season, he he can be released. So th- this this signing doesn't necessarily say that he's automatically the, the starter. They do have Stidham, who, again, Stidham is a big unknown, but he has spent a year in the system. And I think uh, we, we've seen too many players come into that system with big expectations and not be able to uh, meet those expectations because it's such a complicated system. So I think the the fact that Stidham does have that year of experience does give him uh, a little bit of a leg up. But obviously, when you're looking at, at the talent between the, the two players, there is no comparison. Cam Newton is just su- superbly... <laughs> uh, a a better athlete and uh, a a better quarterback than Jared Stidham. So, uh yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely be uh be coming back to this over the next uh couple uh weeks. Uh next topic that uh that we are going to get into and uh, I'll have Clark take the lead on this one is that the uh the NFL did announce today that they are canceling 2 weeks of the uh, of the preseason Three weeks for uh, the two teams that were supposed to be in the uh, uh, Hall of Fame game, which had been canceled uh, a week or two ago. Uh, so, Clark, why don't uh, why don't you uh, get into some of the specifics about this uh, this uh, news?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, what happened is the Hall of Fame game between the Steelers and uh, Cowboys has been canceled for a few weeks now. So, we all knew that w- that was not going to happen. But uh, so. Today, the NFL decided to uh, come out and uh, cancel the first week of preseason and the fourth week of preseason. So teams will now play their second and third uh, scheduled preseason games. And they did it as a precaution because of uh, they wanted to protect the players uh, from all this COVID nineteen uh, stuff that's been coming out and has continued to devastate the sporting community. Um, yeah, I think it's and uh, I just think it's I think it's probably good. It's a good move by the NFL because uh, the less games, the less exposure players will have to one another and uh, their surroundings uh, before the actual season starts. And I think that's they're really trying to get the regular season underway without any hiccups that the season that having games in the preseason might cause.
0: Yeah. So I mean, obviously, the the less exposure before the regular season, the less likelihood of uh, players I guess spreading a- anything that could potentially uh, be out there fr- from team to team. Um, this may not necessarily be the best thing for the actual players though. Uh, I know we we tend to not see a lot of uh, except for the third uh, game, we tend to not see a lot of the starters play in preseason, but there is still that routine of working out and getting ready for the each week's preseason game. And the, the starters do get a, a series or two, even in weeks one and two. Um, so and I, I guess it's really only eliminating one because none of the starters will play in week four. Uh, but what this will greatly affect is those players who are trying to earn a spot on the team. Uh, it's not going to, it, it's going to give them a lot less time to actually try and prove themselves on the field. Because one, I think you're going to see the starters play a little bit more than they would in, uh, in the first two preseason games only because it's now it's the only two. Uh and now, in weeks four, in weeks one and four, the two weeks that were essentially nixed from the schedule, those are the two weeks that you see the backups play the most. So uh, it, it's going to have a, a really big impact on those who are trying to make a team.
2: Yeah, and that you know is it's a fair assessment, right? to think that the starters will definitely be playing more in the preseason games. I honestly see, I, I I do agree with that. I see them playing more because obviously, you know, the players need to get ready, but it allows the starters to get that, you know, extra week or two of practice in that they might miss with, you know, a delayed training camp or that they might miss with whatever. Right. So, I think it's just – overall, I think it's a good idea to have the starters play. I mean, maybe in the the second week or the first – now the first preseason game, you have them play maybe, you know, a half. You have the backups play a half, and then in the third game – or the second game, you have them play three quarters, and then you have the backups play the fourth quarter or, you know, however they want to do it. I think that would be the best way. I think that gets the starters the most ready for week one. Um. But but at the same time, by divvying it up that way, I think it gives the backups a lot of a time to acclimate, get adjusted, and go from there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Clark, how do you think uh, it's going to uh, affect uh, different players and, and their their statuses uh, with uh, within the teams?
1: Um, I definitely think that. Uh uh, they're gonna give uh, backups the like more chances than uh, they're gonna probably let the starters play less and uh, have really have the guys on the bubble take over these preseason games because uh, while you obviously want to get your players in game live reps, I think a lot of these teams are uh, might be focused on trying to give players an opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously. The, the mindset of even keeping your starters healthier to or, or away from the potential of catching the uh, the virus and having to sit out a couple weeks at 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 the easiest uh, the the best case scenario is that they're only out two weeks. Um, yeah, I mean that that's definitely uh, something that is going to be monitored. Um, but the, the, the next topic that I want to get into sort of uh, intertwines with, uh, with this. and that's over the, the past couple of days we're starting to see, I, I know we've seen a couple NBA players and then over I know over the past uh, two days, we've seen some uh, some baseball players and, and even a couple decent names with, uh, with Ryan Zimmerman of the Nationals. And Ian Desmond of the Rockies, among among the uh, the couple players who have uh, opted out of this season, uh, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more in, uh, in in some of these sports. Um, I'm still not sure about what's going to happen with football, because I think because of the the nature of the game, and you have the the. Two teams, literally, they, they have to be face-to-face at, at all times. How, uh, how the big-name players are going to react? Are they going to rest on their laurels that they, they've already acquired a certain amount of money and they can afford to, to sit out a, a, a season that's in such major turmoil right now? Um, I, I think we're going to start to see some of these, uh, these bigger name players opt out. Um, and, and hey, it, it's going to leave a lot of openings for, uh, for some players. I, 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 just, I'm just getting that feeling based on what I'm seeing from other sports.
2: I don't, obviously it's, it's to be expected that players are going to opt out of playing, right? It it's, it's almost 100% likely that it's going to happen. I don't. Th- I think what you're going to see is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I think you're going to see a lot of the maybe lesser known players do it. Uh, you might see a couple of big names or recognizable names, but I think you're going to see most of the high quality, like higher end players want to go out there and compete. I mean, you see pictures of LeBron James and Anthony Davis working out. You know, you have Giannis coming out and saying that this is going to be one of the toughest NBA seasons just for this last stretch. Like, I think with the NFL, you're going to see a lot of players in that similar boat. You're going to see the higher name, like the bigger name players, the the people who have the more competitive drive want to be out on that field i think they're gonna want to play and then like i said i think some of maybe the lesser known players might not be all for it because it it's like you said with with money right how much money are the these big name players making compared to you know the lesser known players it's like a night and day difference granted it's not you know it, it's maybe a couple million here or there, it could be ten million, it could be however many millions of dollars we're talking, which to maybe us three might not matter, but to them it does, given their lifestyle. So I think you're gonna see a person like a Michael Thomas wanna get out onto that field and play. And you know, or a DeAndre Hopkins get out there or a um or you know a JJ Watt. I think you're gonna want to see those guys get out there and play and prove it. But I think you know, you might see lesser-known guys not...
0: Yeah, so I, I think we're going to... The, the first wave of players I can see being the linemen. Yes. Uh, the, the linemen are obviously the, the guys who are literally within inches of, of someone's face on every single play. Um, and you, you could very well be right. I, I can easily see some of these bigger name players that are still on their rookie contracts. Those are going to be the the guys that may end up sitting out uh, because they just, they've already established their name. So their name can still get them a contract as long as they're healthy for next year. Right. But they're still not making enough money where it, it's going to be, just such a, a loss of uh, a loss of income they haven't earned that bank yet so uh, I I can easily see the the guys that have made a name for themselves still on their rookie contracts uh Clark what, what uh what, what are your thoughts with
1: this going going off of what Ryan said or sorry what Jared said um I like the guys who uh, have that mega competitive mindset like an Odell Beckham or like a DeAndre Hopkins like you said I really don't and they also have their massive contracts that they want to get paid for, <laughs> but uh, the, they only have, the, say, a few more years in their prime left. And I don't want—I don't think that they'd want to waste a year by not playing. I think they want to be. Those are the type of guys that want to be remembered as one of some of the greatest of all time. And they're not—they're not, they're not going to want to waste a year in their prime when they could be proving themselves otherwise. And also, guys like say Dak Prescott. Who, who's franchise tagged this year. Uh, who knows how his contract is going to end up, like, uh, how that situation is going to end. But um, he's going to – players like him trying to get a big contract are definitely going to try and want to play as much as possible this year. To that point, though, that you made about Dak Prescott, I could actually see him
2: being one of the players that sits out. And it's because – Obviously, he got franchise tagged this year, but personally, I think he shot himself in the foot with the negotiations between him and the Cowboys asking for such an absurd amount of money for such an absurd contract. I mean, I, like he hasn't really proven he's worth that much money. Uh, he had maybe two good years, or one really good year, a couple of decent years, but he he's not anything amazing, right? He's, he's nothing... He, and the, I, I, so I think he personally hurt his value to to some extent because of those negotiations. So personally, I think for him, he, he might be thinking, well, if I set out for a year, we know I'm healthy and I can get back. I can maybe get a halfway decent contract next year and go from there. So the-
0: uh, ju- just based off of a, a very similar situation that you're bringing up, um, Mike Garofalo, uh came out and uh, and tweeted yesterday. Um, he said that in terms of Chris Jones, the uh, the All Pro defensive lineman from Kansas City, uh, he said he went through uh, he went with Chris Jones through the the team, not making an offer at twenty million a season or more, um, and, and he may not end up biting, uh, biting before the deadline to do a deal. And then Chris Jones replied to it on Twitter and he said, or I won't play Le'Veon bell told me about this. Now I don't think Le'Veon bell is necessarily the, uh, the gold standard that you want to judge, uh, sitting out a season because he, it obviously, he obviously shot himself in the foot. Um, by not getting the contract from Pittsburgh having to settle for a lesser contract with the Jets and he clearly was not the same player this past season than uh, than he was the the season before but here we have a guy that was franchise tagged one of the the top two defensive tackles uh, probably number two behind uh, Aaron Donald in the entire NFL right now Uh and he's already threatening to to sit out. And that may not even have to deal with, uh, I'm sure the, the whole coronavirus pandemic has something to do with it, but it, it's not everything. We're, we're still looking at the, these players and there has to be some sort of agreement that they just haven't reached yet uh, in terms of, of safety.
2: I think comparing to Le'Veon Bell is actually pretty valid. I mean, obviously, he got a lesser contract, and he came back after sitting out a year and did not perform up to anybody's expectations. But the thing was is, in my opinion, Pittsburgh did Le'Veon Bell dirty. They should have offered him a contract. I mean – at the time, well,
0: yeah, right. But uh, and this is uh, what one of the the things that you're you're starting to hear now is, Mama, don't let your boys grow up to be running backs, run <laughs> unless you are just you're you're in a different mold than everybody else. Now you can't. Le'Veon Bell was certainly one of the top two or three running backs in the league, if not number one, but his running style was so team specific with how he was patient behind the line. And if you put him behind an average offensive line, he doesn't do what he did in Pittsburgh, but the fact that he was behind that offensive line, that was as good as it was uh, consistent and that they had played so long together as a unit. uh, I I think that made Le'Veon Bell just that much better than he actually was and look at how many running backs are in the nfl now that should be starters but they're not because there are so many of them and there's even more coming out every year in the draft you have guys that that were drafted this year that would have been first round easy easy starters in uh 20 years ago but now they're getting pushed into the second third fourth fifth rounds because they're just uh, the there's uh, a greater supply of them and the obviously that means there isn't as much demand for them but you you have so many guys that that can contribute that it, even if you have that elite talent like that levy bell was in in pittsburgh they were able to replace him with a, a, a third-round running back in James Conner.
2: I don't think anyone expected James Conner to, you know, blow up to how good he was. I was certainly uh, surprised by James Conner. The kid's story is great—overcoming cancer, open-heart surgery. I think he is, I think his story is just wonderful. But that brings the question: Is like. How do you pl- Todd Gurley, for example, got paid, you know, last year, this past offseason, Christian McCaffrey got, he's now the highest paid running back in NFL history. I th- honestly, they deserve it. I mean, like you said, there are so many running backs out there, but there's only a handful of really great running backs. And but so- look, look
0: look at look at what's coming out in the draft. You have DeAndre Swift who was who everyone's been talking about for 3 years and he goes in the the middle of the second round because there there's just not a, a need for that how how many teams are there in the NFL right now that you could say oh they really need a running
2: back. I mean <laughs> for one, the Patriots. <laughs> the Patriots need a running back. I mean, they have James White. They they, have- but
0: they have an excess, though. They, they have James White. They have Sony Michelle. They have Damian Harris, who I, I think they're waiting for Damian Harris to uh, ma- make that leap into where they they think he can be. I think Damian Harris is probably the most talented running back on that roster. and
2: uh, but what I'm trying to say is when it comes to having an elite level running back, right? Obviously, like you said, there there's the running backs are a dime a dozen, but you've, how much, how more you hear so much more about an elite wide receiver than you do about an elite running back. And it, partially, in my opinion, it has to do with how the game's evolved, right? The game has evolved to a point where, it's almost like if you don't have a mobile quarterback who can run the ball, you your team's almost not good anymore, right? You see it with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. You see it with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I mean, even the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was able to move the ball, it, but then you have had the Tannehill Patriots last year. Favorite, right. Receiver <laughs> <Tannehill. laughs> Right. It, it's but you have Tom Brady last year and the Patriots. Who their defense is the only reason they even did as well as they did in the first place, and so I I feel like if the team has an opportunity to keep that elite running back, you you pay them. All
0: right, uh, let, let's go back over over the past couple of years at, at the Super Bowl teams. See who, who their running backs are. Last year, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Who is their running back?
1: The Chiefs James Williams.
0: Yeah, Damian Williams. Damian Williams isn't an an elite running back. Uh, um, And even with uh, with the 49ers, they they were a a committee team that obviously Raheem Mostert. And and again, who's Raheem (laughs) Mostert? Raheem (laughs) Mostert is someone who's been able to take advantage of the situation where that he's a running back in a, in a Shanahan system running back. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a running back in a Shanahan system, you're going to succeed that uh, they're just brilliant minds of how to make running back succeed the year before the Patriots have again, Sony Michelle, that same Sony Michelle that you are now asking the the Patriots to replace. (laughs) I mean, you' you're you're going back and over the past couple of years, the teams that have had the success aren't the teams that are paying their running backs.
2: i I think that's a fair argument. I just feel like having sure, you know what? I will agree with that. <laughs> and you know what? I, it took me a second to think about it, but you put all the pieces together. And you did give me a different perspective. And when I think about it, I think of the Seahawks, right? They have Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. And, I mean, they're not only the, weak
0: right, right, but they're not making any money.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's
0: why the Seahawks have had success with them. And it was one of the reasons – I'm I'm diehard Giants fan. I've been Giants fan since – before either either of the, the two of you were, were considered. Um, when the, the Giants were in, in position to take Saquon Barkley at, at number two overall, obviously Saquon Barkley was the elite talent of that draft class. He was the best football player in that draft class. I said that they should pass on Saquon Barkley because if you're – not getting the best running back of all time in today's NFL at number two, you're overpaying for a running back. And that's knowing how good Saquon Barkley was in college and how good he's been in the NFL so far. I still don't know if that was the right decision. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously, the the decision the Giants could have made would have been – Uh, What one of the other quarterbacks, Uh, obviously the one that I wanted them to take uh, would have been a complete uh, if his career had turned out the same way that it has. I was hoping they would go after Josh Rosen. Oops. Uh, But they also had the opportunity to draft Josh Allen. Josh Allen has been pretty good. They could have drafted Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, when he's been on the field, has been pretty good. Uh, he just has had a crap offensive line, uh, the, an offensive line that has made the Giants offensive line look good. That's how bad the Jets offensive line has been uh, over the, the two years that Darnold has been there. And they could have drafted Lamar Jackson. So uh, obviously the the Giants had their choice of running back uh, quarterbacks outside of Baker Mayfield. And I, I think if you're a rebuilding team, which the Giants were at the time, and honestly still are, and one of the reasons why they could, why maybe this would have been a team that could have been competing this year, as opposed to a team that could have been competing next year, is the quarterback play and the the fact that they overpaid for a running back, even though he is an elite talent.
1: No, absolutely. As a Cowboy fan, and um, the 2014 draft when we picked Ezekiel uh, Elliott, we had oh, the don't option. Don't remind me of that draft. <laughs> we had the option. Uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey was still on the board, and we all know how good he is. So, and we all we obviously just paid Zeke. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm happy with with Zeke, but you, I have to wonder. Was it
0: the 14 or 15 draft? I think, I think it was 15. 15.
1: I was 15. Yeah,
0: right. 14 was. Uh, was the last one that I was at. So cause oh. I, I, I had gone to every draft from 07 to 14. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the the first year that it was in Chicago, um, I, I went to a bar in the city with uh, with the two guys that I went to the draft every year with, and we were watching the draft. And this was at the time where there was uh, – The offensive lines where the Cowboys were up here and then number the number two offensive line was like way down there that there was that much of a separation in talent between the uh, the Cowboys offensive line and everybody else. And I think we all knew that if they were able to get Ezekiel Elliott into that system, that when you have an elite talent matched up with that elite offensive line, that it was going to be dangerous and then the giants drafted Eli Apple and I cried
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah obviously we see how like good Zeke is and I'm like very grateful he's on our team but at the same time it's also Kind of fun to imagine Jalen Ramsey in our secondary right. with a running back by committee with other running backs. But, hey, right, and, and take what he did. Again,
0: now you have Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal Adams is doing everything he can to be a Cowboy. I know. You, you, he want, But the Cowboys just can't afford to to pay someone like Jamal Adams. And Jamal Adams would have such a, an enormous uh, boost to that team. He, the, the impact he would have on that defense would be immeasurable. Oh, but they can't but they they can't bring him in unless part of what goes to the Jets is is a bigger salaried player and who wants to bring on bigger salaried players
1: <laughs> no exactly and I think they're asking for something like ridiculous like I think they want Michael Gallup in a first which is just not gonna happen <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um, I, I know the what I've heard here has been either a, a top end roster spot a roster player plus a first rounder or two first round picks um, Only man, one I, 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 it's a steep price to pay for a safety exactly. <laughs> as, a as, as, as as good as Jamal Adams is <laughs> it, it, he's still a safety um, and, and it, it really is a lot to ask for, especially someone like Michael Gallup. Well, I mean, to be honest, so here you go, Clark. The the Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb in this year's draft. With all of the, the targets, and, and you still have Zeke, you still have Amari Cooper, now you bring in uh, CeeDee Lamb. Does that make Michael Gallup more expendable? Or do you think that... That that the trio is going to be necessary for them to have the the season that a lot of people think they're going to have.
1: I would think I thought it was a great pick. First of all, just because also the Eagles were two picks behind and just waiting. Oh for yeah, the they were. Yeah, there. they were going so,
0: to. They would have taken Ceedee
1: Lamb. Ceedee Lamb, who really I did. who
0: I drafted in the first round of my dynasty league.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also believe that he was the best wide receiver in that draft. And um, but what, going off of what you said, I think that it'll be. It'll be really interesting because uh, CD will be able to draw attention away from Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, and no, I don't, nobody will be able to be – you can't double cover everybody at the end of the day. So there's going to be a, lots of open spots for Dak Prescott to find those guys.
0: Yeah, uh, and another reason why you can't double anybody is you still have to worry about Zeke.
1: Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, they're just uh, – I think I, I had said this to, uh, to Jared when we were doing – our uh, our draft recap show. Uh, I'm going to take the over on every single Cowboys game.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> gonna, it's going to be a fun offense to watch.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's going to be a fun defense to play against. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this uh, the the uh, this discussion about uh, about these players. will uh, we'll definitely have more to to come uh we're going to finish off today's show with the continuation of our top five segment and uh before we get into our top five segment uh, as i said you see I've got two of my all-time favorite uh tight ends hanging up uh, i got my tyler eifert jersey and my jeremy shockey jersey so uh it's to it's tough to see but that jeremy shockey jersey is autographed uh i got it autographed by him uh, Giants training camp. Um, me and a couple of my friends used to go up to Giants training camp up in Albany. Uh, every summer we would spend a week up there, watch practices. And then we found where the players exited the parking lot. There were five speed bumps, so they had to slow down. So it was a great spot to just hang out and try and get autographs. Uh, Jeremy Shockey wanted nothing. And I was wearing wearing the jersey. He wanted nothing to do with us. He drove up onto the grass and tried to speed away. And I, I may have had a couple in me. So th- this was probably why I I, uh, I decided, uh, poorly decided, to uh, sprint after Jeremy Shockey's Escalade. <laughs> um, just dead on sprint. And I guess he saw me in his side view mirror and decided to stop and, and, and sign the jersey and... and uh, he was not happy about it as uh, as <laughs> I was as he was signing his name to that jersey. But Jeremy Shockey was definitely one of uh, one of the guys that. I See, because I, I was a tight end when I played football. Uh, tight ends are my guys. So Jeremy Shockey, Mark Bavaro. Uh, th- those are oh, those are the guys i've looked up to uh to my whole life in terms of how how i played the game because i i tried to be as uh as as two way as they both were uh to be good in, in the uh the blocking as well as receiving uh so uh we will get into our top 5 tight ends uh clark You're the the new guy here. Uh, Your number one tight end in the NFL right now is?
1: I'm going to go with George Kittle. Probably the best blocking uh, uh, tight end in the league right now. Uh, He's also, over the past two seasons, he's had uh, 2,430 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. So he's about as explosive as Travis Kelsey is. Um, But also he's only 26 years of age. So I can see him being the face of the position for a very long time.
2: Jared, who you got? Uh, oh, I have to go with my boy Rob Gronkowski. He's my number one. <laughs> and it's, Homer. No, okay. Rob Gronkowski is arguably the greatest tight end of all time. I agree with that. Granted, he played with Tom Brady, who is argue or not even arguably. I'm not erase that. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Rob Gronkowski played with him he before he retired he finished with 7861 receiving yards 521 catches and he averaged 15 yards per catch and he finished with 79 touchdowns Gronk is an absolute animal even if you double team him it's likely that he's going to beat the double team obviously if you know he stayed retired my answer would be different but he's back in the league he's arguably the greatest tight end of all time so until he proves to me, that he's not good anymore or whatever, he's my number one.
0: So in 2018, Rob Gronkowski's last year, uh, he finished with 47 catches for 682 yards and three touchdowns. And now he hasn't played in two years and obviously has a completely different body style than he had when he was excelling in the NFL. Um, I don't know how much weight he's going to or is planning on putting on between now and the start of the season, but there's a considerable weight loss that uh, that he's gone through o- over the, the past year and a half. I don't know what... And, and one of the reasons why Gronk was the, the, the best tight end, arguably of all time, was... Not not just the offensive numbers he put up, but there wasn't anybody who was close to being as good of a blocker that Rob Gronkowski was. He he took pride in blocking, and I just don't know what his new body style is going to, how it's going to be able to hold up on that end. Uh, obviously, bl- blocking is so is very mental. Uh, And and we all know that he has the the mindset to do it, but uh, I just I I, I don't I couldn't put Gronk isn't even going to be in my top five. Uh, But I'm going to go with Clark. My number one tight end is uh, is definitely George Kittle. Um, George Kittle uh, two years ago was being called out by uh, Colin Coward. And first of all, Colin Coward. Should just resign. He is awful. I, I there there isn't one take that he has that I I would agree with. Um, but he came out and said that George Kittle was not even an average block. He said that he was a poor blocker, and George Kittle took offense to that, and he just went out and showed that he is not only an average blocker, but uh, I, I don't know if he's the, the best blocker in the league, but he's in the top five in terms of blockers, and I think he's the most explosive of all the tight ends. Uh, when you put the two together, he's – and, again, with with the age, he, he just has so much more that, that I think he can give. Uh, Kittle's going to be my number one. Uh, who you got at number two, Clark?
1: Uh, I got Travis Kelsey number two. Uh, He's an underrated blocker and also probably the best uh, receiving tight end on the list, or on my list at least. Um, Also, not to be overlooked, he's only missed two games in the last five seasons, which is pretty incredible. Um, And during those last five seasons, he's made the Pro Bowl each year. Uh, And also during those last five seasons, he's averaged over 1,100 receiving yards and he's caught 32 touchdown passes. So I think one and two are pretty interchangeable for uh, a lot of people, Travis Kelsey, yep. George Kittle, but I'm going to go with him at number two.
2: Jared? My number two is George Kittle. Uh, you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, it, it's just the, he, he is such a dynamic playmaker that it, it really doesn't matter what position the team is in, whether they're winning or losing. He's, he's putting it all out there. He He's able to – Make explosive plays, and he's just for a tight end and for a dude who big like George Kittle. He's he's a hard guy to tackle as well. So for someone being like you mentioned, Ryan, he's very explosive, and he's he's just an excellent playmaker. You're muted.
0: Yeah, this uh, this technology thing is uh, <laughs> is tough for us old
2: people. <laughs> okay. Lost on you, huh? <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: so my my number two is uh, is Travis Kelsey. Uh, right Long, it, there isn't a, a big difference between uh, one and two. Uh, if you had Kelsey at one and Kittle at two, I, I would not disagree with you. Um, Cons- and here's a, the the word that uh, that Jared keeps going to all the time, and that's consistency. Uh, they're just is not a more consistent tight end in the league right now. Uh, Clark, who you got number three?
1: Uh, number three. As much as it pains to see me as a cow say as a Cowboys fan, uh, I got Zach Ertz. Uh, he's so annoying to play against because it seems every time he catches the ball, it's a it's a first down on like third and seven or something like that. Um, he's racked up at least eight hundred yards in the past five seasons, and um, he's missed just three games over the last three seasons as well. So he's got that durability factor to go along with him. Uh, but yeah, he's just a he's, uh, he's just very consistent, and he stays consistent, which is why I'm putting him at number three. Uh,
2: uh just just like both of you guys, my number three is Travis Kelsey. Um. Obviously, you guys keep telling t- going before me, so I can't <laughs> I can't get it out as fast. Or it's also because I chose Rob Gronkowski first. But yeah, no, Travis Kelsey. Like again, you guys hit the nail on the head. He just consistency is key for me when it comes to valuing players. Uh, in, at the tight end position, he has consistently been just. He, he keeps up with the numbers. He, he's just Mr. Consistent is what I'm going to call him. I mean, there's, there's really no better way to describe Travis Kelsey's uh, game play. And the crazy thing is, is, like, yes, he has some big plays. He can be a playmaker. But the difference between him and George Kittle is, like I said, George Kittle can have more explosive plays than Travis Kelsey. But Travis Kelsey can consistently get the job done.
0: Uh, mine, we're, we're finally going to have a little bit of a disagreement. Uh, my number three is uh, someone who, re- who had a breakout in his sophomore season last year. Uh, someone who I'm expecting huge things, uh, as long as the uh, the offense uh sees a, a little bit of an increase in the passing volume, and that's Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, uh, <sighs> I, I think there, there's just so much to like about this kid's game, um, and, and in that offense, where you a lot of times you're going to see a, a middle linebacker uh, be in coverage on the uh, on the tight ends. When you you're playing against the Baltimore Ravens, you're you're going to have that linebacker also acting as a spy on Lamar Jackson, only because you you need to make sure that you're aware of his. Uh, whereabouts at all times. And uh, Mark Andrews uh, really, in a limited amount of snaps, I, I don't think I mean, he barely had, uh, I think it was like 52% of uh, of offensive snaps last year. Uh, Hayden Hurst is now gone. He is in Atlanta. And they didn't bring in anyone to replace Hayden Hurst. So it's only going to be Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle as, uh, as the two tight ends in that town. And I think we're going to see a a huge year from, uh, from Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was one of only three players in the NFL last year with double digit tight ends. And that, that includes wide receivers as well. So there were only three players with double digit tight ends, uh, touchdowns. Mark Andrews was one of them. Uh, I, 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 Just, uh, I I can see the uh, touchdowns plateauing, but I think we're going to see an increase in the targets, receptions, and yards for him. Uh, Clark, Clark, who you got number
1: four? I like that Mark Andrews pick. I'm excited. I'm probably going to try and draft him in my fantasy this year. But um, number four, I got Gronk. Um, I'm excited to see we're kind of differing on our lists now. But... um, yeah, what what Jared said, he's accepted as the top tight end of all time for a lot of people. Um, it's gonna be ex- exciting and interesting to see how he and the two backup tight ends on the on Tampa Bay play now with uh, OJ Howard and uh, uh, Cameron Bright. Cameron Bright also on the team. It's gonna be interesting how much Gronk is involved in the offense, and but. You can't discount how great he once was, and that's why he's number four for me.
2: Jack, uh, number four for me is actually I agree with you, Ryan. Mark Andrews. <clears throat> uh, Mark Andrews is like you said he he got maybe a little bit more than half of the offensive snaps over the course of you know the year, and he managed to pull in sixty four catches for eight hundred fifty two yards, and that's you know pretty impressive, in my opinion, especially you know for his, it only being his second year Um, I want to see how he develops I think he he has the potential to be excellent and like you mentioned Hayden Hurst is no longer in the picture Um, and between him and Nick Boyle obviously Mark Andrews leaps and bounds better so and plus the I mean the Baltimore Ravens that that offense is stacked anyway and uh, going back to something Clark referenced earlier you can't you can't double team everybody Somebody is going to be open, and I think more often than not, the the defense tends to forget about the tight end, and I think Mark Andrews is really gonna really gonna thrive.
0: Uh, my number four is uh, is Zach Ertz. Uh, here, <laughs> over over the last five seasons, seventy five catches, seventy eight catches, seventy four catches, a hundred sixteen catches, and eighty eight catches. Uh, he he's just. Again, we're we're going to consistency. If we see more touchdowns from Zach Ertz, obviously, I think that there's he there's a great chance he's higher on my list. Um, he's not noted to be uh, one of the elite blockers. He's a good blocker, but uh, I, I think there's some left to be desired with uh, with his blocking. But he's he's obviously. Going to be one of the the elite tight ends in the game and has been for uh, for a couple years. Uh, so Ertz is my number four. And uh, who you got rounding out your list, Clark?
1: Um, my number five is someone who's been he's been slept on the past couple years. I think he's one of the more underrated tight ends, and it's Austin Hooper. Uh, just got just got signed by the Browns, so I think he's gonna have a, I think he's gonna have a very special year for the Browns because they're gonna. Uh, a lot of the opposing defenses are going to be occupied with Jarvis Landry and OBJ, and I think he's going to slip through the cracks and probably score a lot of touchdowns this year. Last year with Atlanta, he caught seventy-seven percent of uh, the passes that came his way, and uh, six touchdown passes. So I think he's primed to spike those numbers up this year.
0: Yeah, that that offense really took a took a big hit when uh, when he went down with that injury.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: he, he was a major focal point for uh, for quite some time, uh, spe- especially over the, the first half of uh, last season. Uh, he was on pace to be, uh, in fantasy, the number two tight end in uh, in the entire league last year. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Ho- Hooper is definitely uh, one of the guys that doesn't get talked about enough. Jared, who you got to round out your list?
2: Just like Clark, it's Austin Hooper. <clears throat> Uh, for very similar reasons to Clark, but also, uh, what's the one word I always say? It's consistency. And if you look at Austin Hooper's, uh, numbers since 2016, he has consistently gotten better. Um, obviously the leg injury hurt him. He could have probably had a lot better numbers, but, uh, just like Clark said, I really think that he's going to have a great season with the Browns, um, back to what I was talking about with Mark Andrews. I mean, they have a loaded offense. I mean, if Baker Mayfield can kind of reel in his struggles a little bit and be a little bit more of a uh, conservative quarterback, I think being able to take, um, being able to have OBJ Jarvis Landry and a tight end like Austin Hooper, I, I think, I think Hooper's going to have an amazing season.
0: And so, uh, my, uh, my number five is somebody who a lot of people didn't know about until last year. Uh, had a really big breakout. Um,
2: oh, I think I know who it is. <laughs> uh,
0: it, it's, it's actually the guy that I, uh, I name my fantasy team after. Uh, it's a, a combination of, one, I love the player, and two, I'm a big Beatles fan. Uh, and one of their songs is I am the Walrus.
2: So uh, yeah, I, I, I
0: am the Walrus. Darren Waller knew it. Is, uh, is my number five guy. Um, because of the fact that the Raiders haven't been good and they weren't that great last year, he doesn't get the publicity that he should. Um, this kid has uh, just a, a, an inspiring story of how he got mixed up with the wrong crowd when he was younger, uh, ha- had drug issues when he was younger, cleaned himself up. He's been sober for a couple years now and has made a, a, a major impact on uh, on the Raiders. And I think is going to be one of the reasons why they, they're one of the teams I'm expecting to take a huge leap forward. Um, they did a lot to build on the outside, and I think it's only going to open up the, the middle for someone like Darren Waller, and he's just so physically talented. He's got the, the size-speed combination um, that you don't see a lot because you're, you're starting to see a lot of teams go to that uh, that tight end that is more of a, a slot Receiver guy that is just bigger than than the other players on the team. Um, Walrus can do everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, so Darren Waller is going to be my number five, and that will wrap it up for this week's episode of uh, of the Zero Technique Football Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Zero Tech Pod. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, search the zero technique football podcast uh Clark is on Twitter at Clark wood uh Clark underscore wood 17 Clark, Clark with an e uh Jared is at journalist j0 and I am at R stern 33 uh make sure you're again you're checking out www.backsportspage.com for all the great content that's going up and to uh to check out the the great uh, list of uh, web shows and podcasts that we have going on, and uh, follow Back Sports Page on all social media at Back Sports Page. Guys, had a blast tonight.
1: Absolutely, absolutely,
2: Ryan. It was awesome.
0: All right. So uh, until uh, and I'll just continue with uh, with my Beatles trend, um, as they as they say, uh, and in the end, the love you make is equal to The love you take Uh, guys. We will talk next week.